0: You're listening to Through the Fire Podcast, where we talk about trauma, transparency, and triumph. Has a life-altering event left you confused, broken, and bruised? Guess what? You're not alone, and this is not the end. Join us as we discuss experiences with traumatic and tragic seasons, what we're learning, how we're overcoming, and how you can too. We're your hosts, Montez Dove and Cedricia Thomas, and we're talking beauty for ashes, y'all. All right, y'all. So we're talking more about trauma today. This time we're talking about transferred trauma. So most of us uh, very well know that trauma can be transferred. It can be passed on. Um, fears can be passed on. Um, and so what we want to take the time to do during this episode is really talk through that um, and how to overcome that. Um, and then what transferred trauma can lead to. Miss I was reminded of the power of transfer trauma during a, re- a recent coaching uh, with a coachee. So, you know, a part of what I do on my job is coaching external and internal clients. And so there are times in the coaching experience where we may have to hit the past because coaching is very much so future oriented. But sometimes to understand the present, to get to the future, we got to hit the past. And so it was one of those coaching sessions where we had to go there. And so this coachee was telling me that they were molested as a little girl by their mom's boyfriend. The mom and the boyfriend broke up, they got back together, and then she was raped by this same person. And so, you know, she was telling me the story of like how she basically raised herself. A lot of things about just being a female, being a woman, she did not receive. Um, and so, you know, she worked hard throughout the years, but she also told me that a portion and a part of that journey involved her grandmother telling her, like, well, that happened to me, and I pushed through, or that happened to me, or, you know, keep going, and so it's a reminder of these transferred traumas, and, you know, it it told me that, okay, she experienced this, the grandmother experienced this, so I'm going to make the assumption that the mom most likely experienced this too and was probably told the same thing. And so when a person is told about something that is traumatic that happened to them and then they get that response, well, you know, it it happened to me and I pressed through or it happened to me. You got to keep going. It kind of minimizes this idea of it being as bad as it is. So then you start thinking, well, it happened to everybody or it must not be that bad or Okay, if they took it, I can take it. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. And so then we have these behaviors. Right. So if her grandmother is telling her this. Then she probably starts to operate like her grandmother. So, okay, my grandmother told me this. So we probably would start to see similar behaviors between the grandmother and the granddaughter, Um, you know, similar thought processes and perspectives all of these similarities begin to happen and, and they, they get created. And so, you know, the same experiences can yield the same trauma. The same responses to those experiences can yield the same behaviors. And so that now, Miss Moni, now we're looking at generational patterns and curses. Um, and so we have to be careful about uh, transferred trauma and how we can uh, intentionally and unintentionally pass things on because he already had something that was super duper traumatic happen, you know? And so then for her grandmother to say what she said, that's more trauma added to it. So if we're not careful and if we don't unlearn and relearn, we'll think that's how we're supposed to handle it or that it does happen to everybody and it's okay, you know? And so then we're looking at three generations of a woman of women who act the same who have had the same experiences, who have the same behavior. And so, like I said, then we're looking at those generational patterns and, and, and curses. But you know what, Miss Moni? I found that to be the case not only just in um, families, but it can be in just regular relationships as well. Like people can project their stuff onto you. And so you have to be mindful of that. And, and for a period of time there, you have to ask yourself, okay, what's mine and what's, and what's theirs? And it can just arise from spending time with people. You know, if you're spending time with a friend, if you're spending time with somebody else, you can spend a lot of time with someone and then you can even notice that you're beginning to talk like them, right? Or you're starting to use the same phrases or the same words, the same vocabulary as them. Like that, that's a normal thing. And so if we know that those things can happen, why wouldn't some of those traumas be transferred, right? If if we're not. If if we're not mindful. And so it it just uh, sends us to the place where each person is an influencer, like we influence. And so um, we may be influencing more than we think we do. So we just have to be mindful of what we're taking from other people, what we're putting on from other people and even what what we maybe could be, be projecting onto others as well. So, again, just asking yourself and being aware of, you know, what's yours and what is somebody else's. You know, transfer trauma is not just a family thing, right? It can come from a friend, it can come from a supervisor, a boss, a colleague, a coworker, an acquaintance. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I'll just use an example um, for me, and this is like child to parent. My great-grandmother was afraid of frogs. My mom's terrified of frogs. So I remember her being terrified, seeing her terrified. I remember it was raining hard one day. And it was a frog at the door. We sat in that car until that frog went away. Hmm. So now to this day, I can't stand them. Get it away from me immediately. And so that that's three generations of those, you know, that's that fear being passed down. And so it made me think of um, what we're thinking about this child. The parent thing is that, you know, children are impressionable. So it when we look at the lens of child to parent we do have to be mindful of what we allow them to see and that includes our fears and our traumas as well. but that that's just a quick example you know of how those things can be just transferred or and and, and what we see we can automatically start doing whether we're aware of it or not. Um, and we say that children are impressionable but we as adults can be impressionable as well. And so I know one of the things my therapist just told me to do she said you know guard, guard your heart, you know, guard what you allow to, to get inside of you. And you know, that guard where it can almost mean like putting a wall up, but I don't want people to think of it in that way. Just protect you, right? Protect you because everybody is dealing with their stuff. And if you're not careful, it can, it can get inside of you. People can project their stuff onto you. And so making sure that you have a guard up, making sure that you have just that layer of protection. So that let's say if you're talking to a friend and you're trying to help them out, that it's not, you know, eventually transferred onto you. Even Miss Money, when I'm doing my coaching session, I have to, you know, just just have a moment where, I, you know, I'm covering myself. I am, I'm guarding myself because other people's stuff can hop onto you. And so what have you seen as it pertains to just these transferred traumas? Any stories that you have?
1: Well, first of all, Dreesia, I want to say about this frog story. (laughs) We might be kin to each other. Because I am also terrified Mm -hmm. of a frog. Can't stand it. You hear me? I I really think you can rob me with a frog. (laughs) So I, I get it. So, you know, we might be kin and not, might not even know it. But yeah, I can relate to um, things being transferred from generation to generation. And um, also, as you were sharing the story of the young lady that you were coaching. And it was just talking about how, you know, her mother just pushed those issues to the side or pushed that trauma to the side. And what that reminded me of is how transgenerational trauma continues. Yeah. Because all it is, is unresolved trauma or unprocessed trauma. I mean, you taking these big, big hits and these big blows and you just keep moving and you just keep on moving with the wounds and all. So a lot of people go a lifetime uh, from childhood trauma to adulthood trauma. A lot of things are even transferred from childhood into adulthood because they were never addressed. Right.
0: And you know what, Miss Monique, some things are transferred through the womb.
1: Yes, ma'am.
0: So That's why it's so important to heal and deal, especially like. You know, as you're bringing someone else into the world, because I don't think we realize how much stuff can be transferred through umbilical cords and through the womb.
1: That's right. You're exactly right. That's why a lot of times when um people are addicted to drugs,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it transfers to the baby. Mm-hmm. If someone is under a lot of stress when they're pregnant. Oh, it transfers to the baby. So I think a lot of these things even run through our DNA. Yeah. You know, because trauma runs deep, deeper than people would, would, you know, know. So, yeah, that's that's the history of um generational trauma, this transferring of issues from one generation to the next. And, you know, a lot of times, even on a larger scale, um, as groups of people or as different cultures of people, I know. A few groups who can relate to this. Uh, Native Americans can relate to generational trauma. Also, African-Americans, when it comes to slavery, can identify with generational trauma. People who are survivors of the Holocaust can relate to generational trauma. So it goes on and on and on. And um, that's why it's so good to know our history. It's good to know our family tree in in lineage if we could. It'll help us to better understand ourselves. It'll help us to also be aware of certain things. It'll also help us to identify um, with certain things. I know one time I just was sitting back and looking at a behavior that was going on um, in a family. I noticed that uh, the mother had a certain behavior of really not listening. She was not a good listener. Then I saw that her son had the same issue. Um, He was just not a good listener. And then later on, I saw his daughter with the same issue. So it was almost like I just saw a straight line coming Mm -hmm. through a few generations. I'm like, wow, wow. So that makes sense why she doesn't listen. That makes sense why he doesn't listen. That makes sense because the mother doesn't listen. So it's all connected.
0: Absolutely.
1: Wow. Yeah. So we just wanted to make people aware of, you know, a lot of things you might be dealing with. It didn't originate with you. Mm -hmm. It didn't originate with you. But the good thing about it is. When you recognize some of these uh, behaviors, when you recognize you're in certain circumstances, just some negative traits and behaviors, if you would just recognize them, you can actually turn those things around. You can actually look at your family and see, is this something that's coming from generation to generation and how can I stop it? How can I do something different? How can I turn around? It can also bring out something to let you know that I need healing in this point at this spot because this has been in my family for generations and um, I don't want it to go any further than me. So I want to go ahead and get the care that I need, the attention I need, the therapy that I need, whatever self-work that I need to do to turn this around, if at all possible, I can do that. Mm -hmm.
0: Sometimes it takes, because you don't know something's happening when you've been in it. When you've been in a thing, you may not even realize you have that behavior. And so sometimes it it it'll it causes you to have to have an outside person to reveal that. So I want to invite people to do, you know, to to do that. That can include getting therapy. Let's say you're sitting there, you're talking to your therapist, and she or he is connecting the dots. And then they're able to say, I see a pattern. Because again, when we've been in a thing, we may not recognize that pattern so much. And so give just allowing and encouraging and inviting everybody to do that, to be open to outside uh information. Um, because that can give you a clearer lens. Cause when you when you're inside, it's blurry. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I, I do want to say kudos to everybody now. Kudos to, you know, the the younger generations as well, because I, I do see that there's a lot of relearning and unlearning and Across generations. So that seems to be a thing, right? People of all ages are unlearning and relearning. So I want to encourage and invite everybody to do that, um, because you may not even realize how much or how many family behaviors or transferred traumas or generational
1: patterns um, that you could be operating in. Dreesy, do you think that different time periods in life will allow people to address things differently? Um, Just like you just said, a lot of the younger people are making different changes and different approaches towards trauma. Do you think years ago that maybe a, a person in slavery could do anything about their trauma?
0: Mm -mm. I think that as society has grown and evolved, people have too, you know, because now I'm not going to say it's easy and it doesn't take any less courage than it would back then, um, but it's more welcoming, Mm -hmm. right? It still takes a lot of courage to speak up and to unlearn and to relearn. It still takes, it's still not the easiest thing to do, whether we're looking at someone from the 1800s or to this present day. But I think we all would agree that the the time and the society the society's perception is different, which makes it more inviting now to do so. There's no way somebody would be able to do that back in back in that day. I mean, but we can even go to the 1960s and say the same thing. You know, um, there was just a different perspective, a different way of life. There were different do's and don'ts, you know. Um, and I think that. All of that is is shifting and it's changing and it's evolving. And so uh, it's making people feel a little bit more, a little bit more courageous, Mm -hmm. a little bit more interested in speaking out, saying their truth. Society's way, what society says is good and bad and the do's and don'ts, that plays a role in how people act. So if we look at how things were back in the 1800s, if we look at how things were in the 1920s, if we look at how things were in the 1960s, if we look at how things were in the eighties and the nineties, it's all different from how it is today. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and that makes a difference. Uh, I was just thinking about that when you were talking about mm-hmm. maybe how someone responded, but your surroundings also dictate how you respond too. So, you know, they may have wanted to do something different, but they didn't have the resources, they didn't have the support, um, and they may have even been dared to do anything about taking care of any trauma or more trauma would have been inflicted. So I think the timing uh, of everything has a lot to do with what's progressing and taking place today. So I'm glad we are in a better place um, to do something about trauma and generational trauma. And those things are some of the belief systems, the attitudes, the learned behaviors, and the patterns of thoughts from Previous generations, you know how they shape us.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and it takes courage. It takes courage to stand up and do something that's against the grain, something that looks like a big no-no. Because you know, back in the day, that's that equal death. Let's think of the Harriet Tubmans. Mm-hmm. You know that equal death. It took a lot of courage to to step out and do something that was not encouraged so a lot of people are, are are in survival mode they're just trying to survive okay well I saw my mom go through that too and, and she 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 came out pretty decent so I'm gonna just do what she did oh well, my daddy had that issue too but okay you know he looking pretty good okay I'm gonna just do what he did
1: that's right, right? like I said different cultures um may not have had the support they needed to reach out and get the different help that they needed. Mm -hmm. So they just had to deal with those things. And unfortunately they did pass from generation to generation. Um, But as we're discovering there is hope though. So that's the good thing is there is hope. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully today we brought some awareness to people and their surroundings and their family and their friends. And um, they could begin to look a little bit deeper and see You know, what's transferring from generation to generation and, um, you know, just have a little hope and a little courage. And, you know, like I said before, everything didn't start with you. Everything didn't start with you, but Mm -hmm. it can definitely end with you, though.
0: Yeah. And you know what? It just made me think. I think we might have talked about this. But a lot of times when I talk about this idea of cognitive diversity. I also talk to talk about like some cognitive biases and one of them is called group things. So that's when like you're trying to reach a consensus. So let's say we have a group of people in a room. Let's say someone is in front of them, giving them the plan, everybody shaking their heads. But then we have this one person that's thinking of all of the the possible outcome, negative outcomes of this plan. And so but because they see everybody shaking their heads, nobody else is speaking up. They just continue to shake their heads, too. So groupthink goes for consensus; it's peacemaking, and so we can even see that in families. Miss Moni right? Let's say someone is saying, "Well, no one has said anything, right? No one has said anything up until this point." I don't want to be the one to do that. I'm afraid to do that. What is that going to look like? My family is going to be looking at me crazy. Um, but I just want to tell somebody that groupthink is actually like a—it's one of—it's a cognitive bias. It's a It it, it has negative consequences because, right, if we know that a plan is faulty and you recognize that and you don't say anything and then something happens, you speaking up could have assisted with that, right? It could have stopped it from happening. And so I want to encourage somebody to speak up, knowing that you are um, helping, that you are um, creating and making space for maybe a healthier path, a healthier journey. Um, You are blocking. Um, what you foresee. So I think it's it's important for 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 people to know that when we're talking transferred traumas, especially in families, to be mindful of this idea of groupthink, and to to go against it. Speak up. Say what you need to say.
1: Any um, situation you find yourself in, whether that's on your job, mm-hmm. uh, with your friends, amongst family, if something is not right, speak up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: So we want you to know that we're overcoming.
1: And you can too.
0: Thank you for joining us this week on Through the Fire podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Through the Fire podcast. You can also connect with Montez at The Poetic INSP and on Facebook as Montez Dove. You can connect with Cedricia on Instagram and Facebook at Cedricia Thomas. Be sure to subscribe to the show to catch new episodes every Thursday and leave us a comment or review. Thank you for listening and see you next week.